Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Marcus Chan. How are you, Marcus? Oh, I'm so good. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you so much for taking the time. And what are your plans for the holidays? Super low key, super low key. You yeah. know? So we're staying in town. My, my in-laws are, are right down the way. So we'll pop over there, oh, see, nice. we'll see the family. We'll keep yeah. it pretty low key. Yeah, you know, I just realized I said that. And then, you know, by the time this is aired, it won't be Christmas anymore. It's all good. It's all good. Everything is real. The Christmas spirit year round, though, whenever people listen yeah, to it. Always. <laughs> when you feel good, you feel good all That's year right. long, right? That's yeah. right. Exactly right. So, you know what? We always... Um, you're a, you're a huge famous guy, right? But I still no, want to allow, allow, <laughs> I want you to introduce yourself in your own words. And we always like to do that because the way you can speak about what you do and where you're coming from and all that is, is way more powerful than me just reading it. Right. So go ahead, please. Sure. Absolutely. So I'm Marcus Shan, founder of Venley Consulting Group, and uh, we work directly with B2B sales professionals, helping them earn an additional fifty dollars to $100,000 more in sales commissions and bonuses every single year. Now, I ran this business now for uh, just over two years, but before this, I was in corporate America for over 10 years, about 14 plus years. And I started from the very bottom, B2B sales it was actually one of the worst reps ever. And it was really fortunate to actually promote 10 times in 10 years, had some pretty cool success, got to the point where I was leading a sales force over 100 plus employees doing nine figures plus a year in revenue. And that was a lot of fun. And then eventually Amazing. I made the leap uh, into entrepreneurship. You know, full, I started as a side hustle initially and then made the leap into full-time entrepreneurship back in September 2019. And that was a really scary leap, but a lot of fun. But uh, we've been running this business now for uh, over two years, been really fortunate, made tons of mistakes, had lots of fun doing it. But in just over two years, we've brought over 300 plus clients. We've been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, MarketWatch, Yahoo Yahoo Finance, Salesforce, LinkedIn, uh, a lot of places like that. But we've been really blessed to uh, to have uh, done this in such a short period of time. And we're lucky that we found you too, is that we have to thank our podcast manager, Ken, and he's probably going to be watching this. And, you know, he's the guy who finds the talent and he did a good job. Well, I appreciate it. We'll see. We've only just begun this interview, so we'll find out. <laughs> no, <laughs> man. Downhill from I'm, here. <laughs> no, man. I'm checking out your graphics. You're on point. I'm talking, I'm checking your copy. I'm checking like, no, no, no. I, I know. I know you got it going on, you know, and that and you actually taking that leap into entrepreneurship. That's what I'm very fascinated about. And that's what I want for a lot of people. I want to I want them to leave the nine to five get into entrepreneurship and do it the right way. Um, and, and so glad that you took this leap. How, what exactly happened that made you, made you do this, like the, this huge shift? Yeah. So I wish I could say it was like suddenly overnight. I just, yeah. you know, it's just handed my two <laughs> weeks in. I quit and it has a huge epiphany mm. and I was amazing success overnight. Not the case. So the, the truth is, uh, so I grew up with a family of immigrants. Um, my parents were very, very poor. They came to the U.S. escaping the communist revolution in China and they started a restaurant. So they actually were entrepreneurs growing up and we grew up very poor. 
So I saw this life, man. We grew up very poor, not having much, working mm-hmm. eight, 90 hours a week, nonstop, crazy hours, and making very little money. So for me, I'm like, there's no way I want to be an entrepreneur. That was like, there's no way. I'm going to go get a good job. Now, obviously, I'm Asian. If you're watching this, I, didn't become, I did not become a lawyer, a doctor, or an encounter, anything <laughs> like that, right? So I went to B2B sales. Now, yeah. when in my corporate career, I, I really enjoyed it. In fact, I was just doing my thing, having success. It was really cool, making tons of mistakes. And I really didn't realize what I had achieved until about uh, seven, eight years into my corporate career. Because at this point, people kept saying, Marcus, like, how did you do this? How did you go from being the worst? How did you go from like a top performer? How did you win all these awards? Why are you right on corporate? How are you doing all these things? And I'm like, I don't know. I just work my tail off, I think. You know, like, I don't know. Pretty hard. They're like, no, it's more than that. Like, you should write a book on this. I'm like, Mm -hmm. maybe I should. So Mm -hmm. this was like the first, this is 2015. And I'm like, I should write a book about this. But I didn't want to write a physical book. I'm like, I'm going to write an ebook. And now mm-hmm. everyone, their mother has an ebook, but I'm like, let me start that first. Let me write an ebook and just see what happens. So my first one I wrote is called The Corporate Climb, you know, uh, how I can promote 10 times in 10 years. So it was actually in like eight years, but sounds better 10 times in 10 years. So watch <laughs> yeah. that, you know, and I remember overnight I made $9.95, $9.95. And I'm telling you right now, that was like, it blew my mind because at the time I was so used to a sales call. I was used to cold calling, prospecting, having a face-to-face conversation, interacting with someone, building trust, engaging with them, asking questions. And have a stranger pay me less than $10 on the internet was wild to me. Mm. So at that point, it was still pretty neat to me. And I was you know, making sales here and there and making about a couple hundred dollars a month. Nothing crazy. I'm like, that's pretty neat. But the, you start getting to the point in your career, like you want to make more impact. You want to do more. And I'm, and I'm like, mm. what else could I do? So I started really studying internet marketing and like digital products and information products. And at the time, you know, digital courses weren't as popular as they are today because now everyone has a digital course. And I, I said, I should create a digital course, but on what? I didn't know what. So I went and bought a program learning how to create a digital course, how to monetize it. And I started really thinking, who would like to ask a lot of questions on? And the most common question I got asked were B2B sales questions, questions that I thought people would know the answer to that seemed really obvious to me that they just mm-hmm. didn't know. People that have been in sales for years. And I said, what if I was able to build something for me? Something that if I could give into myself when I started in sales, if I could just execute a playbook. I could have repeatable, replicatable success. So it actually took me two years to build a stack at the time. I was in a hotel room, man, like 100 nights a year, traveling nonstop, uh, big team, young family. Uh, you know, it, it was crazy. So it took me two to, to build this digital course, the A to Z for B2B sales. I built it out and it was January 2019. And I remember thinking to myself, after I've been all this time doing this, I'm like, what if I just wasted two years of my life? <laughs> like building and filming and doing all these things. Like, oh my God, probably, what if nobody buys it? I launched it to a very small email list of 300 people. I woke up, made $2,000 overnight. And I was like, wow. And at this point, I did not just walk into work and quit the next day. I didn't do that still. Still, I was like, wow. Because at this point in my career, having the the level of success I was really fortunate to have, making really great income, life was great, you know, just had, you know, young young family. I'm like, I I can't have all the stock. I can't leave this all behind. You kind of plan and exit. I'm going to do that. And at this point, I started getting this itch where I knew I could do more. 
Like I knew I could do more. I knew I could impact more people. And I kind of tested a little bit of the product market fit of being able to sell my products just like to, to outside the world, but I didn't know if it would deliver. So I started planning over the next several months. I'm like, I'm like, if it delivers, if I'm able to give people this delivered transformation of results, perhaps maybe it's a sign. So I started kind of mapping what that would look like. So I started to really map out if I was to leave, what would that look like? How would my business be, how would it be structured? And I also want to time some things out because I said, if I was to leave, I had a bunch of equity I was going to invest in the summer. I wanted my equity, okay, uh, for obvious reasons. I also want to make sure I had another award trip. I wanted my free awards to a five-star resort in August. I wanted that as well. And if I was going to leave anything, I want to time out to after any earnings call because the stock would go up and I'd be able to cash it at a peak point versus a dip. So this whole time, over the next several months, I continued to promote the course. People were buying it. And on top of that, people were getting results. People were actually getting results, which I thought was amazing. I'm like, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. I'm actually having an impact on other industries across the world. So like the business started to slowly build up from there. And then uh, I timed it all. I'm like, it gave me validate, it gave me confidence and validation because I definitely had this imposter syndrome. It gave me validation through, through this whole process. So finally, once I timed everything out with my presence club trip, stock investing, earnings scrap, and I felt good enough to make that leap. I quit my job September 19, 2019, went all in the following day. And that was my official trans, trans, transition from corporate life of 14 plus years to that leap, in which, by the way, everyone's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, you're like, like, you're giving up your amazing life to do what? You have a sales force of 100 plus employees, you have a big team, people report to you, authority, and you can go manage yourself. I'm like, Yes, <laughs> but that was my leap. But uh, it's been a crazy journey, but I'm, I'm happy made the leap, but it's been a very exciting time as well for myself. Well, you know what? Congratulations to you to take that leap. It can be very intimidating, right? It can be very, yeah. you know, um, fearful because you just it's just unknown, right? And to take such a step from being in that kind of position to entrepreneurship, I give more value because now you're leaving something. Yes. Um, without having to know what's going to happen. Right. Like if totally. someone, yeah, if you're not anywhere and you go into business, that's, that's common, but to that way to go from something that you already had established into entrepreneurship, starting from the bottom up again, right through the whole process. Commendable. It, it was hard. I mean, it was, mm. it was a, it was a mental shift. Um, Mm-hmm. Especially because, especially on the surface, people saw all these things because I was pretty active on social media. I would post like, hey, I'm on a corporate jet. I'm doing these things. I'm winning this award. I'm in, I'm in Mexico. I'm, in, I'm, in, like, I'm doing all these cool things. People are like, wow, he's got the life. He's got the, the dream, yeah. dream life. Like, he's giving this up to do what? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and on top of that, it was like this mental, um, it was a hard mental shift for me personally as well, where you, you go from like, I knew I had all this reputation in my company and also had a great reputation to go into the world where nobody knew me. Like mm. nobody cares. Like who, who's this guy? No, no one cares. I, I knew no one to care about my past success. Nobody cares. Like, like mm. one company don't care. Your results don't care. It's more like, who are you now? And what can you do for me? So I mm. knew that's a whole, that's a whole thing on top of that. The, I knew the other barrier I would run into would be, because the companies I, I had only for two major companies, both were very conservative. So they really didn't like if I was posting anything about my side hustle at all. So I would never post anything about that. There's a lot but of I, corporations that do that, right? Yeah. Oh like yeah. They were clients like, to say, yeah. 
they would ask me like, Oh, what do you, what do you, oh, I saw you, you wrote this article, you know, like, I'll be, yeah. I'll, 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 like, why, why are you putting it on LinkedIn? Like, why are you doing Did this? you read the guidelines? Have you reviewed yeah. the guidelines? I've it, covered from corporate world too. Right, so. <laughs> right, right, right. So they're like, it was like, but the thing was, it was these unspoken rules. Like they couldn't like say, don't do it. Yeah. But they were like, highly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I had to start over with that too. Yeah. You had to start over with that as well. And then for you, this whole uh, program that you do, right? Mm-hmm. You help individuals achieve, you know, 50,000, 100,000 or more mm-hmm. in a year. Or is that even with sales teams, like individual people in a sales team in a corporation? Or, or what are we talking about here exactly? Great question. So one of the things mm-hmm. was I knew when I was entering into the space, the sales coaching, sales training space, there's a couple of different approaches people can go into. Either number one, you can go and target the companies in which you're working directly with the sales teams and helping them, coaching them, and train them, developing them, and do these things. Or you can go after individuals. Now, most people in the space that I'm in, they go after the companies. Number one, because typically it's it's obviously way bigger ticket because you have a sales team of yeah. 50 to 100 people. It's bigger ticket. Yeah. The downside is it's also more competitive, right? Mm. Uh, the individuals, you know, it's like there's tons of them, way bigger market but harder to sell into because most of them are Mm. unwilling to pay for their own development training and growth. Mm. So I knew when I, when I left corporate America, I knew I want to go after individuals. And the reason why, the reason is because of this, when I was really thinking about why I was looking to make the leap, it wasn't about the money. I was making phenomenal money, right? It was about the impact and legacy. And what I was really looking to, what I was seeking, what I was seeking now is to drive more impact and legacy. And when I was mm-hmm. in corporate America, I had my sales team, but they would also fly me to corporate and I would train other teams as well. And that was really fun. But I always knew amongst the hundred people that I flew in to have me train that weren't on my direct teams or everyone else's teams, I knew 10% of people would take action and get amazing results. I knew 20% of people would say, Marcus, that's awesome. That's great. I'm going to do it. Maybe they're going to, maybe they won't. I knew the other 70% would not take any action at all. Mm-hmm. So I knew when I went when to start, when I started my business, if I was going after companies, I'll probably run into a similar number, if, if, if not worse numbers, because frankly, like they don't know me, at least at the company, I had company credibility because I've been there for years. Outside, it's all be to be some other sales trainer coming in, doing a training who probably never carried the bag, never did the job. And for me, that's not what it was about. For me, it's about impact. So, mm-hmm. The way I do it now is I, I target 100% B2B sales professionals, individuals who are carrying the bag, they're out there making cold calls, selling to all types of organizations, and they have their own quota to hit, and they have to deliver a number. Now, as a side effect of my marketing and what I put out there, I also pick up corporate clients as well. I actually don't prefer them. So I tell them that in the exorbitant amount that I charge. And some will still pay it, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I guess I'll do it. Um, I, I do it because you know, they're willing to pay it, but I really don't yeah. prefer it just because I know like when I work with the individuals, I get, we get insane results. While I work mm. with the teams, some of them will get results and some will just won't pay attention. Right. Mm. So like even with the, with the companies that, that I'll work with, you know, yeah, I'll do the, the team, but I'll do like keynotes and stuff, which are great, you know, sales kickoff events or whatever. That's fun for sure. But I still prefer the individuals because when the individuals mm. are, are handing over their hard earned money, 
Mm-hmm. They are mentally drawing a line in the sand that they're committed to better versions of themselves. And when they draw mm-hmm. a line in the sand, they're going to actually take results or get results. Mm-hmm. And when they get results, their life will change. Yeah, they're invested more, right, into their right. future, you know. It's, and for you, for your program, what would you say percentage-wise uh, when you train these individuals, what percentage is strategy and what percentage is mindset? It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a, a large portion of it. So it's a combination of really all the above. So the way the program is, is set up is, um, so I, I give them a few parts of access. Number one, we have a course part, which is like step-by-step A to Z. It's like the original version I built out I've redone it five times. <laughs> so it's got better and better and better with each iteration. So it's like, it's more and more robust, more detailed as I've gotten feedback. That does a lot of heavy lifting for me. So that covers all the core stuff. The first, first sections are all mindset and routine. Mindset, routine, getting the right belief system in place and thinking about the things the right way. And it's all step-by-step. Step. And then they have context in which they have group coaching calls with me and also one-on-one access to me via Telegram in which there I'm giving them more context as well guidance, sometimes it's mindset shifts, strategy shifts, different ways of thinking, uh, challenging certain beliefs that they have. You know, for example, they might say, mm. I'm, you know, I saw this framework for the phones. I don't think it's going to work for my industry. Hmm. And I'll, of course, I'll ask them, hey, so tell me, tell me a little bit more. Have you tried it yet? Well, no. So how do you know it's not going to work? <laughs> like, yeah. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. So it's learn to teach them also how to think is a big part of the process as well. So I, mm. I, I joke with some, with some of the students that um, my program is actually a personal development program, with, but I call it a sales program. <laughs> mm. It's really a personal development so, disguise as a sales program. Mm-hmm. So percentage-wise, would, would it be fair to say, you know, 80% mindset, 20% strategy? Uh, I would say, I mean, it's, all, it's, it's tricky because it's all interlaced in between. Approximately. Because- just I like mean, a I, rough idea. If I had like at least 50-50 minimum. 50-50. Okay, good. Because literally, yeah, mindset. When, when I explain certain things, I'm like here's a my, objection handling. Here's a strategy behind it. But here's a mindset you have to walk in. <laughs> so everything's all tied together. If I could say 100%, 100%, that's what it would be. <laughs> yeah. So this course is B2B, right? So for example, yeah. if someone is a solopreneur or self-employed professional, yeah. for example, he could also take this course if he's selling to a business. Yeah. hundred percent. So we, I mean, and, I'll give you, oh, yeah, we have yeah. consultants in there. We have, co- we have coaches in the program. Um, it's even simpler actually when they do it because they control the whole process and they usually uh-huh. never have to prospect to the same level uh, as, uh-huh. as, as like an individual's carried a quota. Uh-huh. And, and is it, um, is the course available on your website or something? How does it work with you? Like, do you, is there's a part that has some one-on-one, I guess, or some group type of life as well included in that? Yeah. So, uh, so it's not available just to buy online because it's all, it's all combined. It's, it's a comprehensive program now. So I used, so I took a look and, you know, initially when I did the course by itself, like a couple of years back, the very first version of it, I mean, we had a pretty good success rate. I mean, I would say at least 50% of people would have some sort of result, which is great. I wanted to improve that. So that's why I built in the, the group coaching, the telecom access. And now for the people that actually take action, it's a near 100% success rate. So mm. this is why it's so valuable. We build all together. So people that want to want to work with me, they apply to work with me. They talk to someone on my sales team. And then if it's a good fit, then we'll enroll them into our program. Good, good. And 
for the actual the presentation, for example, when someone goes into a presentation, um, like what, what do you think for actual connection with the prospect to actually connect with them? How important is that? Like when the, in the during the presentation, you know, when a lot of salespeople they go in with a benefit dump, right? They just tell them all the good things about them and what they do and everything. You know, obviously your training helps with that, right? To get them out of that mindset. But how about connecting with the prospect? Uh, how do you, uh, how do you, any recommendations on that? Is it important in the process of sales? 100%. So if they don't trust you before you present, then your presentation is like talking to a wall. Um, there's usually a very high level of skepticism. So mm. as part of what I call the sales code selling system, in which the code stands for, connect, open, direct, and expand. And when you're in the process, um, the mistake I find a lot of salespeople make is when they're in that meeting, that first meeting, and they ask maybe a couple questions and they wanna go and present a feature dump. The truth is, is if you run a proper discovery call first before you get to presenting or pitching, you can actually eliminate many of the objections on the front end. Mm. And the prospect will actually tell you exactly what's most important to them. So you can actually show them how you can help. And this way, you're actually presenting things that are actually relevant to them that actually will help them. And I'll give you a good example. So it's like this. So I remember, you know, a few years ago, I was looking to go buy a car. All right. So I went down to the dealership, you know, I was looking, I was looking at different cars and the salesperson comes up to me and starts pointing out certain cars and saying, Hey, look at, look at, you know, look at, look how fast this car looks. Look how awesome it is. Look how, how sporty it looks. And I'm like, that's, that's great. But to me, that wasn't important for me. I just want a sedan. So my family, my kid will get sitting there comfortably. Right. I didn't care about the speed. I didn't care about the yeah. zero to 60. I didn't care about the, he didn't you know, ask questions. I, he didn't ask any questions. He came and started just yeah. pitching to me all the meaning that he found attractive. But majority so, do that though, right? Majority like if do you, that. If you look. <laughs> majority do that. So I equate to it's kind of like trying to sell steaks to a vegan. doesn't yeah. matter how good those steaks are. They're not going to buy them. <laughs> it won't matter. <laughs> yeah. You didn't care about speed. You didn't want to, you don't care about zero, zero I, and 60, right? Yeah. I didn't care about, I didn't care about spoiling that. All I care about, hey, is, is it, look, it look pretty good and they're comfortable, right? Like, Maybe I, he you looked know, at you, right? He made a, he made a, a perception. He just you know, made like, some yeah. assumptions based on what you <laughs> saw, assumptions, right? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. that, that's why you know, the key is like for a presentation, if you want to do a really good presentation, you ask the right questions up front. Yeah. So by the time you actually get to the presentation, they know you have a solution that can actually help them, even though they don't know what it is, but they're excited to see it now because you clearly uncovered their pain points, their desires and where they want to go. And now you show them things are going to help them get to that point. So they feel connected yeah. to them. Majority mm -hmm. of the time salespeople just feel or uh, process don't feel that person knows them or trusts them enough. Yeah. So then they're not willing to make a purchasing decision, make an investment, take a next step with them because they don't see the value quite yet. They're like, oh, this is just in the can pitch to try to get me to buy. Yeah. That connection is everything, right? Like that, 100%. that, you know, you know, how do you, you know, people do business with people, right? Is the product might be good, but if there's no trust, like you said, no connection, then that body doesn't take action. Right to take out the the pen and sign on the on the line. So, so I think about it's like this. It's um because trust is the magic word here. So yeah, I imagine it's it's as if you went to the doctor. If you have a brand new doctor, maybe you feel a little bit sick. Doctor comes in, 
takes a look at you, doesn't ask any questions, says, here, we, you need to have a surgery, come to this operating room right now. You'd be like, no way, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not, not going to get operated right now. Like, I'm going to get my sleep cut to, out. I, yeah, know? I came to get a blood. Uh, blah, I came to get my blood blood pressure blood tested. Pressure check, you know, right, <laughs> right, right. So exactly. So versus a doctor who's asking you questions, checking yeah. your blood pressure, checking your symptoms, maybe running a few tests. Then mm. when they recommend something, whether it's a surgery or whatever, you're more open to the idea. But the more you trust the doctor the more you trust their opinion, that's what it is on yeah. how they're going to solve your, your ailment or your issue. Mm. And you know, the main, main things in the presentation is the quality questioning and the actual listening, right. To the responses, any tips on the listening part, because you know, a lot of people, people have the monkey mind, right? Like they, they just go, there, there's so much going on, right. Especially both sides, even prospect, yeah. even for the sales any tips on that, how to make sure, how to kind of zone in and just exclusively listen to the person? Sure. So early on, if outside, of course, the obvious of doing, doing it millions of times will make you better at doing it. Yeah. Um, or, or practicing with your friends and family and spouse. Um, mm -hmm. Incorporate a couple of key phrases to help you with having a deeper understanding. So a lot, a lot of salespeople have, kind of have an ideal question they want to ask. So unfortunately, they, they become almost robotic because they're thinking, I'm going to ask one, two, three, four, like a checklist. It becomes like an mm -hmm. interrogation or interview if they are asking questions. So you want mm -hmm. to in incorporate just a few different uh, easy triggers to help you dig a little bit deeper because the magic is actually in the follow-up question. So similar to the layers of an yeah. onion, the more layers you pull, yes. on an go area, deeper. you go deeper. So for example, if they're saying, hey, I'm having some issues with X, Insert this, this, this very simple, uh, you know, phrase, which is, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Mm -hmm. That's it. Simple. Yeah. What about that specifically? Yeah. Again, yeah. it's very, very simple. Like, can you, can very you simple, elaborate yeah. on that? Yeah. The How more they talk, you? right? Correct. It's about, about them. They need to be talking 80, 20, right? So 100%. <laughs> but also more importantly, then you can truly understand them because yeah. you, you may uncover that by asking these questions, you uncover they're actually not a good fit at all for what you yeah. have to offer. And that's okay. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. just important to disqualify as it is to qualify. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And for pre-presentation, pre like, is, are there any pointers, any kind of tips um, for any, you know, mindset work or anything, anything they can do to perform better um, in the presentation? 100%. So I'm a firm believer. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur or a salesperson, uh, you are built upon your performance is 100% based upon your routines and your habits to set yourself up in a peak performing state. And your ability to trigger yourself into a peak performing state allows you to show up better, not just for your customers or prospects, but also for yourself and for your families. So I'm a firm believer. Really, if you want to excel in a presentation, it starts really the night before. So obviously, you can prepare and do, and do, do research and all of that's really important. But for example, proper night's sleep. Are you getting proper night's sleep? Because if you don't have a good night's sleep, you're not going to feel good the next day. That's very simple. In the morning, are you getting your blood flow moving? Are you doing some sort of physical exercise to get your blood moving and flowing so you have more oxygen pumping into your brain? Also, are you eating the proper diet? When you eat improperly, it impacts how you think and how you perform. 
If you don't eat anything, it also impacts how you think as well. So for example, if you wake up and nothing nothing against having a giant breakfast burrito, which I love, eat a giant breakfast burrito. Oh, yeah? You know, and then you go and try to run to sales calls. Like you're feeling all sluggish right after. You're not feeling. Yeah. Good. You're not on your game. Mm. And the truth is, is when you eat super clean, you process better and faster as well. So, for example, I have one cheat meal a week where there's no rules, and there's tons of sugar and salt and everything else in that meal. I always can feel the next day. How, I, how like, number one, how I slept poorly. I look at all my stats in my aura ring. I've, I've had terrible sleep. It's never usually good. And also, on top of that, I don't, I don't process as quickly. I'm not as sharp. I'm not as yeah. fast. I'm not as mm-hmm. able to adapt on the spot. It's all mm-hmm. based on the diet that I fed myself. On top of that, in addition to what you feed yourself, your body, what do you feed your mind to set yourself in a peak-performing state? So mm-hmm. if you are watching the news or reading the news all morning before you start your day, I'll tell you right now, you're poisoning your mind with things that are not going to serve you. You're simply mm-hmm. getting biased information, for whichever channel you're watching, whatever feed you're reading, you're getting biased information regardless. doesn't matter what side mm-hmm. you're on. That's just the truth. So instead, consume things that are going to feed your mind and make you think and grow. Listen to a great podcast like this. Listen, reading a great book. Things are going to feed your mind. So you're mm-hmm. feeling mentally, you're feeling physically good. You can mm-hmm. sleep. Your diet's feeling good. Your brain's do is proper. You can do affirmations if you want. You can do visualization if you want to take it to the next level. Do all those things, but now you're actually showing up proper to be able yes. to give yourself the best version of you that you deserve for yourself and for your family mm-hmm. and for your customers as well. Yeah, I like I like your answer, Mark, is because you're 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 in, encompassing everything, right? Like our, you know, you're encompassing the physical, the the intellect, the you know, spiritual. Like you're actually putting it all together the night before. Correct. Right. So that's a that's a you know, it's the combination, right? And people forget that. You know, a lot of people are just, you know, mindset, mindset, mindset. Some people are just gym, 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 or you know, like so, so it's a nice balance. It's so important. So important. 100%. I, I actually call it the, I have this, I call it the M5 system. If I have my M5 system dialed and it's built into a habit every single day, it'll set me up to perform at a high level. So number one, mind, which discusses that, to, to fill things in your mind, the right stuff. Number two is matter. Am I doing things that serve my purpose? Things actually truly matter. You know, uh, three is muscle. Am I physically working out so I'm feeling good? Uh, money, right? Am I doing things that's going to generate income? Am I making sure my finances are dialed, which is really key? That limits the key stress many people have. And then the last one's marriage. So it's not just marriage to your spouse, but if you treat the relationships in your life, everyone, as if you were going to have to marry them, are you truly fulfilling your part of the bargain as a good friend? Mm-hmm. Right. And we started thinking at this level, and you really incorporate this kind of M5 into part of your life, you are able to operate a higher level and a rhythm than most people are, are going to do because most people are not thinking this way. Most people live unconsciously. They're unconsciously going yeah. through their life versus being yes. conscious about their behaviors, their actions, their minds, mm-hmm. their and their thoughts. Because when you when you think this way, you can shift up to a better result by operating a different level than most people are willing to do. Yeah. You know, it, I had a, such a huge transformation ever since I just became more conscious of me, like my conscious yeah. presence, you know, and and I live my life like that now. And and it transformed the quality of everything I do. Everything 100%. is just, it feels like it's coming from somewhere else. Like it's not even here, you know, it just feels so powerful. 
Um, You're spot uh, on. Can't even explain. Yeah, you can't even explain. Like words can't explain that feeling, but that just knowing you where you are, and especially in sales presentation, other thing, everything transformed. My podcast interviews have transformed. It's so important, you know. It, I, I believe in today's time, it, it has become a competitive advantage to be present in the moment. Yeah, it's one thing. I, and nobody's perfect, so I'll give you an example. So I'm, I'm always trying to work on this as well. You know, especially with uh, with my kiddo, try to be present, not be on my phone, not be on an iPad, yeah. not be on a laptop, like just like. I've done it too. Being present, you know, mm. or you, sometimes you see it where it's um, if you ever like just go on a walk and you don't bring headphones, you don't bring your phone, you don't bring your walk and you're just like, you're just like, wow, the air, like, the air smells so good. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like so beautiful outside. You hear the birds, yeah. you see the, you can, oh, you can suddenly see all these things that are already there, but now you're yeah. actually aware. It's so wild. Yeah. But this is something I'm always so wild. It's hard. It's yeah. hard to do consistently, but this is why we have to practice every single day. Yeah, it's part of my thing. Like I, I, I just I can't, I cannot do it. And I know what you mean because sometimes your life gets busy and you you forget <laughs> to do it. But but I, I find there's so much um, power and quality and, and energy and life and everything. I ever since I started living like this, like you said, you don't even. There's things you don't notice. You, right. I never noticed. Like there's so many things that I'll come across. Like oh my god, like where was this? What kind of you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It just so, right. It, right. it messes you up because you say what the hell? Where was I living then? Right? Totally. Basically, I was living in my mind. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. True. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, Marcus is is great that you took the time to meet here uh, on the show. Uh, we always like to ask our guests, you know, what their inner superpower is. Um, that got you to this point? Mm, great question. I would say discipline. Discipline. And you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I thought about over time, the truth is, is I was, I've usually been the worst of most things I started at. And I think about, even as a kid, you know, I actually grew up with a speaking impediment. So I didn't start speaking until I was four and a half years old with the speech therapy for years. And I really struggle with speaking. In fact, it still kicks in today, my speech impediment, in which I stuttered, I slur, yeah. I stumbled. My, it still kicks in even today. This is like yeah. years later. So, yeah. but one of the things that helped me overcome that was being disciplined to the exercises they had me do. Like I literally, I consistent. Still remember to, consistent. I remember they made me wear this like silly puppet glove and tell stories in my hands. And this really forced me to practice saying certain words and do those things. I think about when I first learned how to swim. How that's the worst swimmer. In fact, I failed all the swim classes. And like most kids passed by five years old. It took me until nine years old to pass those classes. And finally, I passed all the swim classes. I joined the swim team begrudgingly. And I was the worst, like I was the worst swimmer on the team. But then a year later, by showing up, being consistent, I was one of the fastest 10-year-olds in the state. Amazing. See? And over time, I, I found this. I mean, this sounds sound super nerdy. I, at one point, got really into street magic, like doing like card tricks and coins. Oh, yeah? And yeah. Yeah. So I literally, on a Saturday night, I would get all these books from the library, and I would practice over and over and over, sleight of hand, over and over and over until my fingers had memorized the discipline to the process. I think about even while I was learning Chinese, how, how to read, write Chinese. I was read, write 
thousands of characters over and over and over until it burnt into my memory. So I've taken that discipline and I applied to other parts of my life. Things I do not like to do, I did it anyways. I was disciplined to the process Mm -hmm. and I was able to delay self-gratification. And that's really helped me across the board. Starting the business so hard. I mean, the first six, 12 months is probably the hardest. I mean, it's harder than anything I've ever done. But I was disciplined to the process. That thing about quitting, 100% for first six months, I probably thought about quitting every single day. But I was disciplined to the process, and I kept showing up. And I really learned to love the process and be disciplined to it because I knew I do the right things consistently. It would eventually lead to success and freedom and unlimited growth. Great. You know, that's a great um, inner superpower to have. Discipline is, is one of the – doing is one of the weaknesses of our society. Like a majority of people, it's true. Is the doing they lack, right. you know, it's just right. the action is the whole problem. Whatever's going on inside is the cause, is mindset, right? But right. Uh, to have that as a super hard, you're going to do really good in business. And I can relate to you. I couldn't speak till five either. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't able to speak. I had um, a, a face deformity like this, mm, this, this lip. lip was, yeah. yeah, it was up and they couldn't figure it out. They took me to specialists, mm. all sorts of things. Um, and then recently I found out in 2018 that I'm autistic. So mm. it was, uh, I don't know if that's the reason, if that's mm. the connection, but it explains so many things growing mm. up. And I just thought maybe that's probably it because the doctors mm. couldn't, give an answer why yeah. it happened and how it fixed. I just, I just started talking after five years old and the lip got yeah. fixed. Everything's wow. <laughs> it was like, wow. I was like, put on pause or something. Yeah. yeah same here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. All right. You know, Marcus, thank you so much for again, taking the time to come on the show. It's an honor to have met you. I, I, I love, I made some of the best friends on through this show. So I'm hoping that you'll keep in touch. I'm in Toronto here in Canada. If you ever need anything, just let me know. I've, I'm pretty sure I connected to all your socials. Uh, if I didn't and you see me somewhere, just add, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll see your content and, and try to uh, be engaged on, on your stuff, on your work. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on.